Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. All right. Welcome to the Feathered Desert, everyone. Cheryl and I are here with you once again, and we're going to be talking about birdhouses. We actually started the Feathered Desert to inform listeners in the Southwest about how to feed wild birds successfully and responsibly. We wanted our listeners to know what kind of food to feed to attract the kinds of birds you wanted to see in your backyard. It occurred to me the other day that Cheryl and I have yet to talk about the other way to attract birds to the backyard, and that is using nest boxes or birdhouses. So today's episode is all about the nest box. So just like bird feeding, putting up bird houses in your yard has evolved over the years to incorporate seasonal bird behavior and new scientific discoveries to truly, truly give the birds outside the best chance at surviving our constantly changing world. There are new guidelines for putting up bird houses. It's not a one size fits all device anymore. Was it ever? Yeah, sometimes it was. <laughs> you you don't just put up something that looks great to you and has a hole with a perch under it and see what happens. By observing bird behavior in the wild, we've determined that the best ways to offer birds a safe and secure home for raising young. Following these guidelines is the best way for you to attract even more birds to your yard and enjoy them for generations to come. All right. It's going to seem like a long list, but it'll be easy for you to remember because we'll put it up on our show notes. So first of all, let's start off with features of a good birdhouse. These features are specific to birdhouses used for nesting, which are also referred to as nest boxes. So there are a few important features for usable nest boxes, and they apply to a box that you make yourself or one that you purchase. So first, you want to make sure the wood is untreated and unpainted. You don't want any chemicals. The best woods to use are cedar, pine, cypress, or for larger boxes, for something like a bird of prey, non-pressure-treated CDX exterior-grade plywood. Number two, we're going to use galvanized screws for construction. We're using screws because they hold up better than nails, and they're easy to remove when you need to make a repair. So third, we're going to make sure the roof is sloped and hangs over the main body of the house by two to four inches over the opening and then two inches along the sides. This will help keep out rain even when it gets heavy and the wind is whipping wildly and will also help defend against predators. Adding a quarter inch cut under the three edges of the roof will help funnel water away from the house like rain gutters on our own houses. Fourth, you want a recessed floor. This helps keep the nest dry and prolongs the life of the box. Fifth, 
You want drainage holes on the floor. These are important just in case the water gets in. The birds do not want a swimming pool. <laughs> you, you can cut away the corners of the floor if you're making it yourself, or you can drill four holes, approximately three-eighths of an inch to half an inch in diameter on the floor of a pre-made box. And sixth, to regulate the temperature, the walls should be at least three-quarters of an inch thick. We also want ventilation holes in both side walls. This is especially important in the heat of the Southwest. There should be two holes at the top of each wall with about a 5 eighths inch diameter. All right, there's more, and Cheryl's going to continue I'm with just, those. <laughs> I'm just thinking you'd have to be careful when you... Um put the holes in to make sure you're not making them too big so a baby bird doesn't fall out or an egg or that a predator can get in. Right, exactly. That's why I'm giving the dimensions on here, like five-eighths of an inch. That's going to allow like a bug inside, and that's not really a predator we have to worry about. Um, or a baby. There should be no baby birds falling out a five-eighths inch diameter yeah. hole. That's what uh, the, uh, These specifics are, are good. People need to pay attention. So seventh, predator prevention. A little bit about what we were just talking about. Predators are something that birds have to deal with naturally. But remember, we are offering them a home that they are not making themselves. So when they make their own nest, they disguise it from the predators, such as uh, predators such as snakes, raccoons, chipmunks, and outdoor domestic cats. The box that we're offering can stick out like a sore thumb, so we need to take a few precautions. First, no perches under, perches under the opening. Yeah, that's like, you know, hanging out a welcome sign. Exactly. <laughs> to the wrong, the, you know, to the wrong um, animal. The birds don't need them, and it's like a welcome, ah, welcome mat for the predators. Huh, you read my mind again. <laughs> Add baffles to the structure when you're when you've mounted the nest box. Using collar baffles or stovepipe baffles work great on poles and smaller trees. Is it Noel guards? I don't know. It's Noel or Noel. I don't really know. All right. Well, I'm going to go with what I said. Okay. Noel guards a wire mesh tube um, attached to the front of the house is a good way to protect an opening on a box mounted on a tree that is too large for a baffle. I'm going to have to look that up because I don't really know what it looks like. Okay, number eight, make sure the opening of the box is the correct size for the birds you want to attract. Remember before when I said there are no one-size-fits-all birdhouses? This is where some of our new information comes into play. Each species of bird desires a specific size hole for their house. It is very important that the hole in the house is the correct size for the species of bird you want to attract. For example, an American kestrel needs a three inch, needs a hole three inches in diameter. There we go. A northern flicker needs a hole two and a half inches in diameter. And the chickadees need a hole one and one-eighth inches in diameter. Hole size is also important in, deter in deterring non-native birds such as starlings and house sparrows. Yeah, if a house sparrow can fit in it, forget it. Right. <laughs> 
So number nine, rough up the interior wall beneath the opening. Rough walls help the chicks to get out when it's time to fledge. And you can use coarse sandpaper or cut long horizontal grooves into the wood below the opening. Number 10, make sure the back is slightly extended above and below the box to give you room to easily mount it on your pole or tree. And number 11, last but not least, you want to make one side to be hinged so it can be opened after nesting season for cleaning access. Now, you, we know this is a lot to remember, but we'll share a link in our show notes so you can look this list up later. Yeah, because I'm not going to remember 11 things, Kirsten. No, I wrote this one and I'm not going to remember all of it either. So I will leave links so you guys can print it out. You can save it to your computer all on your, uh, all on your own. So you just mentioned something about cleaning, which makes the perfect segue into cleaning. Mm -hmm. This is also new and different from when we used to put up those cutesy little birdhouses many moons ago. You just put them up in the tree and you leave them alone and let them do their thing. The question is now, do you need to clean your nest box out between seasons? And the answer is yes. It's very important to clean out old nesting material every year. That's why we're making one of the walls hinged. So removing old nesting material makes sure bacteria and detrimental insects are not passed from one family to the next. Typically, just opening the side panel and removing any plant matter that you find inside is enough. But if you had some especially dirty tenants, using a little water and warm water and plant-based soap, something like Simple Green or 7th Generation to remove poop is a good idea. Clean out your nest box after the last fledgling has left and you don't see any activity around the box for about 10 days. When cleaning, remember to protect yourself as well. Use a dust mask and glove to prevent any zoonotic disease transfer. Okay. Speaking of seasonal activities, when should I put out my nest box? In the Southwest, have your nest box mounted and ready for visitors by mid-February. This is typically when our year-round residents begin looking for nesting sites and when our part-time residents are migrating in. You can leave your nest box up year-round once you've found the perfect spot to prevent unwanted guests such as European starlings, bees, wasps, or squirrels from taking up residence in the off-season. You can close up your house, plug up the opening, and cover the ventilation holes like you might do for cabin you only use in the spring or summer. To prevent honeybees or wasps from colonizing the nest box, spray some non-stick cooking spray on the inside of the top of the box. The inside top of the box. This makes it too slippery for the insects to climb on. And when it comes time for nesting season again, open everything up and give it a quick spring cleaning. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, I learned that one when I was writing this. Okay, where should I put my nest box? This all depends on what bird species your box is made for. Every species has a preferred habitat. To help you decide which species you may want to attract, go to nestwatch.org. I'll put the link in our show notes. 
and they have an interactive page called Right Bird, Right House. This is so cool. I did not know this exists, but I found this out when I was writing this podcast. And what you do is you put in what region you live in and what habitat surrounds your house. So I put in the Southwest and the desert because that's what's around my house. And it showed me which birds are in my area, um, well, where to attach my house and what kind of house to build or buy. It tells you everything you need to know, such as when they nest, how high the box should be, which direction it should be facing, and if that particular bird that you're interested in attracting is in decline in your area. So some of the birds they show for the desert southwest are the barn owl, the Buick's wren, the brown-crested flycatcher, the elf owl, and the says phoebe. And it actually told me that the Buick's wren is in decline in the particular area that I chose, as well as the elf owl. So if you live in the White Mountains or summer in a cabin, you might put up a house for the black-crested titmouse, the bridled titmouse, the mountain bluebird, which is in decline in that area, or the pygmy nuthatch. <laughs> nuthatches, I always, I love nuthatches. I know, I can't, I can't get over nuthatches, I love them. Um, so a note of caution for the Phoenix Valley. In the severe heat that we actually get here, you need to be extra careful where you put up a nest box. It should be in an area that is shaded almost all day. If you don't have any area like that or you can't put up a device to add shade, like a shade cloth, then you may not want to place a nest box in your yard. But we have some other ideas for you a little bit later. If you put up a nest box but no one seems to be moving in, be patient. It can take up to a year for a nest box to be noticed and used. If you see some interested parties that just aren't buying, maybe you've put it in the wrong place or maybe mounted it too high or too low. There could be other things wrong that we don't see but the birds do. Nest Watch from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology has a troubleshooting guide for nest box landlords that you can access online and we'll post that link in our show notes. Our show notes are going to be very informative. Yes, and this one is going to be very important. Okay, so one last thing about nest boxes that I didn't think about until I did the research for this episode the question came up as to whether birds would use a nest box to roost in during the winter. And I'd never really thought about that. But as we just discussed, we should be closing them up outside of breeding season. So they're not really going to be able to use it. But what you can do is have a roosting box for your overwintering birds. So what's the difference between a nest box and a roosting box? The design of each box is vastly different. A well-designed roost box prevents the bird's body heat from escaping, which as opposed to uh, the nest box, it's going to have fewer ventilation holes. Mm -hmm. The entrance hole will be near the bottom of the box to prevent the rising warm air from escaping, which is opposite of the nesting box mm -hmm. that has the entrance hole at the top. Inside the roosting box, there will be several perches to allow multiple birds to roost, as opposed to the open concept area in a nest box where a nest can be made. 
And then staggering the perching will actually allow for everyone to have their own little spot, but still be close enough to snuggle for warmth. Once again, you wanna rough up the sides. This is actually a great way to encourage clinging birds such as woodpeckers or creepers or nuthatches to use the box. Roosting boxes are usually larger than a single family nest box to accommodate species that huddle together in winter. And then once again, you wanna hinge. This is gonna hinge the top panel, which will allow for easy cleaning after the winter season. So this option right here could be great for our Phoenix Valley residents who can't use a nest box because their yards are short on shade. Um, these are not readily available really to purchase, or at least I didn't see a lot offered uh, for roosting boxes, but um, I'm gonna post a few links. Once again, check out the show notes with some blueprints um, for how you can make your own or how you can maybe enlist someone in your life that is good at carpentry to make one for you. <laughs> so different species of birds won't roost together. together. No, this is going to be for specific species right. that do roost together. So like our Inca doves in... Arizona, they will roost together in the wintertime and they like to stack up on top of each other. Yeah. So this might be something that they might use. So it's not going to be for all, all, every species, but it'll be for some. So like barn owls, and I can think of the western screech owl, they might roost together. Possibly, but that I would I mean, have to be a really big rooster. Roost together, but I mean like barn owls, like a pair of barn owls will roost together because they're Aren't they a bonded pair or? Yeah, I don't know how big. That would probably have to be a big roosting box. Big though. roosting box. That might be a little, <laughs> a little harder to do. But um, like I said, we'll look. We'll put the the links up there, and it tells you how to make your own, and it does tell you how to make ones for different species. Okay. Well, just like feeding birds, placing nest and roost boxes in your yard should only be done if you are willing to take the time to do it right. You must have the time and the motivation to use the correct products. Place it in the best place, provide prevent predator prevention, and be willing and able to clean it properly. If this is not something you can do in your own yard, reach out to your local birding groups and see if there are any community nest projects you could help with. Schools and daycares often get students to create nest boxes and mount them near their facilities. Maybe you can offer to help them out. If you decide to put up a nest box, consider taking the next step and joining Project Nest Watch at Cornell. This is a citizen scientist program that teaches you how to monitor nest boxes for scientific studies. The data you record watching the birds you're already watching can help further our understanding of bird behavior. Yes. Well, that's nest boxes in a nutshell. If you're interested in putting one up in your yard, please check out our show notes, as we have mentioned throughout this podcast, and use the links we provided to get more information to help you successfully offer your backyard birds a great place to raise a family. And we want to make a note here, listeners. We will be taking a break in September 2023 but we'll be back with new full-length episodes in October. 